0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Derek Freeman. Derek is the head cross-country and track coach for Springs Valley in French Lick, Indiana. During this interview, we covered Derek's background in the sport, his introduction to coaching, what he's learned in almost 20 years of coaching, his thoughts from a small school perspective on a variety of things relating to the state tournament, and much more. Derek is extremely driven to be the best coach he can be, but even more than that, to help build the next generation of youth. I really enjoyed this interview and learned a ton along the way. I hope you all can take away a thing or two as well. Without further ado, I give you Derek Freeman. Derek, welcome to the Indiana Runner podcast. Glad, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for doing this. Um, I guess first off, congratulations. Uh, boys made it to semi-state for the first time in school history. That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: it's, uh, I don't know if it's fully sunk in yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess what were the expectations heading into the season? Like, did you, was this the goal all along or? No no okay um
1: you know i knew that we had a good group of two or three kids coming back um and then some younger kids that were coming from the junior high that you know need a lot of development but um, we had two seniors who are both pretty good athletes um one um uh, and they just both decided one of them plays basketball the other one just plays golf and they decided they wanted to Run and I thought, well, you know, I told one I jokingly told one of my assistant coaches after the first day, we're hot day out there. The boys take their shirt off and here they are with these eight packs. And I said, well, at least we're going to look like athletes. <laughs> 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 and uh, and so I mean, they both turned into being the perfect four and five runners that we needed. And uh, so it, it's been, you know, one of them he actually kind of wanted to run because he was a little influenced by uh, his cousins who run for Carmel okay Yeah. so he uh um he had thought they had talked about running and he was like well i'm not doing anything so i'll give it a shot so they kind of fit the mold of who we needed for a four and five
0: that's cool did it did it come together towards the end or was it good from the start or so
1: i've you know i've had both avenues of training kids for the you know training cycles and going through the whole process and i've had kids that you just join out of nowhere and you're like okay I got to get this kid in as good a shape as I can in a shorter period of time. And uh, um, they, I kind of, I knew they were athletes and I just thought let's, you know, tried to sit down with my coaches and figure out the best way to attack it. And Mm -hmm. it just kept getting better. Those two did every single time we went out and it just kind of like, we had glimpses early on that I knew we could be pretty good. But as the season went on, I was like, this could be something pretty special, especially, which when it's supposed to be kind of around our conference sectional time, I was like, wow, we, if we all five run on the same day on mm-hmm. our best, we could be pretty dangerous.
0: Yeah. Uh, how much did it mean to the kids to, to make it there? Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where
1: it's a um, cross country is the best of both, both worlds. You know, you have your individual side, but you also, you know, you get got your, team side and it truly is a team sport because of the advancement side of it and so Mm -hmm. um, you know I, I saw kids who started the season knowing that their goal was I'm going as far as I can as an individual you know one of them was at aspirations of going to state and he just you know he missed it by a little bit and just kind of that situation where they you watching them develop into runners who are like team became first and foremost. Almost mm. to a fault. You know, at regional I felt like my number one and two kind of ran probably their worst races of the year because they were so so stressed trying to get their team to mm. that they ran tight and tense and and uh so it, it kinda um they just they 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 became a very team oriented group and you know that became a primary focus and I was as a coach you love to see that they're running for each other. So
0: Yeah absolutely uh, we'll get more into it a bit later um but i want to open it up with a little tear talk um and i sent this to you a couple of days ago and i so it's gonna be best scary movies and i just thought it'd be like fun with the the season you know but i think we were both like we don't really watch scary movies or it wouldn't be our first choice well, I don't know if I've seen
1: one since my, since my kids were born. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm, I think like you said, I'm, I'd choose a comedy anytime. I like a good laugh, but if you were to have me do my top three Will Ferrell movies or something, I'd probably struggle with that one, but yeah. Yeah. You want to go first or you want me to go first?
0: Uh, I can go first if you want. Okay. That's cool. Uh, so these aren't even like true scary movies, but they're like kind of scary. I don't know uh so number three for me is a quiet place have you seen it i have
1: okay uh um, my my brother-in-law kind of forced me to watch it he's really big into scary movies so
0: okay yeah he's there's like the know. One now. yeah there. i haven't even seen the second one <laughs> yeah it was like it was cool it was like it was a different type of movie you yeah. know um but it's definitely not one that i was like was dying to see again yeah Number two, true scary movie, The Conjuring. Okay. It's a solid one. Very for sure. I feel like I don't know. I feel like with most scary movies, like I just don't like really believe it, or like I don't know. Like it just doesn't feel like real. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they don't
1: like it. You don't see it happening in your life.
0: Yeah, like you hear people like leaving a scary movie and like can't sleep at night, but I'm like sleep like a baby and And then number one is Get Out. I, was just, I don't know if it's even that scary either, but it's just like such a good movie.
1: Okay, so I've never seen that one.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I would definitely recommend. Okay, Get Out. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I uh, So my my top three were kind of, I don't know, I picked mine off of like movies that were, I thought they were kind of entertaining too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but mine are a little on the older side too. The Shining.
0: Oh, that's a good one. I've actually, I haven't seen it, but no, it's a classic.
1: It's a classic. It's kind of all three are. Um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nice. That's, uh, you know, I'm dating myself a little bit with these 80s movies. And, uh, <laughs> number one, Silence of the Lambs.
0: Nice. So. That's a great list.
1: I I don't, you know. I, it may be that I've picked all classics because I haven't really seen any of anything newer. <laughs> yeah. New one that i purposely went and watched was the ring i think
0: (laughs) okay Yep. yeah i was i was prepping for this and i like looked up like the best scary movies of all time and i realized i just have not seen like any scary movies because actually the three you named were like top 10 top five all time like on a lot of these lists um just because yeah they are classics but maybe this is the season this is the time of year i should start watching some more (laughs) scary movies
1: Uh, not my house my once once we get about november my wife tends to drift towards the hallmark channel and i
0: uh, (laughs) i don't blame her (laughs) yeah cool um so i kind of wanted to start from the beginning with yourself um what uh do you have a background in running um did you play other sports growing up like how did you get into the running space That's, it's it's interesting. Um, So
1: when you come, when you talk about running, I, if it was much more than 200 meters, I didn't have much to do with it. Um, (laughs) I was a football player. Um, To this day, I resemble more of a defensive lineman than a distance runner. Um, So I, in high school, I actually, it's kind of funny. When I was younger, I ran junior high and high school. and I was a sprinter through my freshman year. I kind of got a growth spurt and then after my growth spurt I didn't run track or do anything for a very short for I think it was both my sophomore and junior years I just football was really all I did and then mm. some of my classmates my senior year convinced me to come back out for track and I uh, uh, ended up throwing chop putting, discus and being the best thrower on the team so wow. um, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing so I did try, I did try um, cross country in seventh grade for like a week. And I was, <laughs> I, I I went and joined the football team cause it was too tough for
0: me. <laughs> okay. What high school did you go to? I, I went to Springs Valley. Oh, no way.
1: Yeah, I did.
0: Okay. Um Did you end up playing football or, or throwing in, in college or? No. So that's, it's kind of
1: funny. I, so I had people tell me, and I'm not, you know, trying to, we kind of throughout my high school career, we had coach, we had a new coach every single year. And even after I graduated in track, we had a new coach and, um, so nobody ever really taught me what I was doing. And I had some people tell me like later on my senior year, Hey, if somebody would have taught you how to throw a shot, put in a discus, you could have probably went to college to do that. Uh, So I didn't, you know, kind of as a high schooler, I was like, well, that that sucks, but I can't go back and fix anything about it's over and done with. So, you know, go off to college, come back. And and when I get back to, to French Lake, um, I'm back at the school, there was a guy taking over, um, the track program from a neighboring, like, uh, it was like a neighboring school, uh, Mm -hmm. Northeast Duvois and, uh, same age as me. And he just came and was like, Hey, you know, I'm just taking over the program I plan on staying more than one year because you know we hadn't had a coach who stayed more than one year since maybe the mid-90s for track wow yeah I mean it was a turnover rate constantly and they were um I think they had even hinted at getting rid of the program at times and he's like I'm gonna stick around just looking for some help and so I was like well hey I'll come out and help with the throwers and mm-hmm. I didn't have anything any clue what I was doing but uh I kind of kind of because people told me I was good but I could have been good.
2: Mm-hmm. If I'd been
1: taught, I kind of got into that mold of, I was always a person who wanted to um, have always been a person who wants to help others. And so I just thought to myself, you know, these kids, I may not be the best coach, but I'm going to be the best coach that I can be for them. So mm. I just dedicated myself to learning about throwing. And, uh, and I mean, I ask any and everybody at I meets mean, like crazy. I'm sure I, and annoyed some people but i just would go to people <laughs> and ask and i would go look up things online and i would read about it and
0: mm-hmm. just,
1: ever since then that was nine. well it was 20 years ago going this spring it'll be 20 years ago so
0: uh so you got you got your introduction to coaching through being a throws coach yes, yes. um were you just the throws coach at, at first i was uh kind of it was probably the first
1: uh maybe six years five years i was just the throws coach and uh um i mean my first year if i remember correctly that between boys and girls track team there were 10 kids and six of them were throwers wow so so i was 60 percent of the kids i was coaching and uh (laughs) you know i just as time went on we started um we started getting numbers out every year you'd get a few more kids in the girls team and the boys team we started becoming a little more competitive and uh we just kind of grew from there and then we had some kids who i don't know it's kind of like an introduction to sprinting coaching for me was we had a kid who um wanted to be a good sprinter and i was still young and still single so i would meet him in the weight room in the mornings and open the weight room so he could lift and i thought well i'm going to be in here i should learn how sprinters should lift and i mm-hmm. i'm going to be in here i should learn about sprinters and then, you know, him and one of my throwers, I started taking him to indoor meets for a club in the, in the winter. And I just, it just kind of snowballed.
0: Mm, okay. Um, did you, like, before you were asked to be the throws coach, did you want to be a coach? Like, did you have aspirations of coaching or? I wanted to be a football coach. Oh, okay.
1: I actually was. I mean, at the same time I was a track coach, I was also a volunteer with the football team or then a little more than which rolled into some time with junior high and varsity coaching and football. I actually was coaching junior. I'd actually went back to coaching junior high football when, uh, um, the, when the
0: cross country job came open. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it seems like, I don't know. I, I like how you have this, uh, I don't know. Just always wanting to learn mentality. Like you're, I don't know. You were, didn't know much about throwing at first and not much about sprinting when you came into that position like where does that drive to to grow and to learn like come from
1: you know i don't know um i, I feel like I, i'm kind of no, i'm not driven to be like i don't want people to think of me as the best coach mm. but i want the kids that i'm with to have as good a quality as they can regardless of this, mm. uh, where they come from um that should never be an excuse the fact that we're a School, 264 kids should not be an excuse as to why they don't have quality coaching. Mm. Um, and so you know, I've always thought about, you know, giving if I'm gonna do it, I'm and I've always been this way. It's kind of a thing with my father, we were raised on a farm. And if you're gonna, he always said, if you're anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right.
2: Mm. So
1: we said give a hundred percent of yourself to anything you do. So uh, you know, I just kind of always had that mentality. If I'm going to give 100% of myself to this, and um, you know, it, it uh, it's funny because you can kind of look at trends of where I've been involved in coaching from when I started out as a throws coach to then sprinting to um, then taking over, you know, distance slash cross country. It's kind of one of those deals where you can see where I've gotten better as a coach because you can definitely see the product improve. Mm-hmm where i wasn't very good when i started Um, (laughs) there's kind of a curve that you can see there but and i mean don't get me wrong too i've been for for a 1a school a lot of my friends would tell you that i've been extremely extremely blessed with some athletes Mm. all school especially especially the throwing and sprinting side of things
0: yeah uh what are what are some uh i guess lessons that you learned early on or um whether it be with throws friends even distance now what have you learned along uh, the way
1: in each each step of the way i've always learned that um that you don't know it all um but just got to be hungry to try to know it all like mm. there's got to be this insatiable urge to learn like you can't be satisfied and so um and i've also learned that our sports track and cross country are two sports that that it's a pretty tight knit community and people like it's a sport they're sports that people don't want to see them die they um they want to see them thrive they want to see them continue to grow so you can pretty much go and you know you can get a hold of people all around that you can have uh conversations with and they're going to be willing to help you you know you approach people at meets and you 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 make relation build relationships with other coaches and so that was kind of one of the things that I learned early on that's benefited me a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we were talking before this, and you have a ton of connections. Um, how, uh, what, are, what are some of the influences or, or people have influenced your, your coaching um, along the way? It's a, a long list. It's, it's yeah. kind of funny.
1: I'm probably one of those people that will, will gladly tell you, too, that there's plenty of people that I've coached that I now turn to. For advice, um, mm. I'll give the example of two sprinters. We've had two very successful sprinters um, that have graduated and uh, went on. One of them went to Indiana State and broke their school record in the hundred, won the Missouri Valley Conference in the hundred, and I ask him questions all the time about sprinting. Um, mm-hmm. Another young man is is uh, actually sprints for University of Louisville right now, and he broke their indoor two hundred meter record this past winter, and uh, you know. Those are I pick their brains, so those have been some of my influences, believe it or not, is learning from my mistakes and learning from people who've went on and, um. But I never really had that. Like this was my coach, or I I ran or threw for this guy, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of influence. I it's been my peers. Um, you know, I I know a lot of my peers here in Southern Indiana that I can pick up the phone anytime. I I would. I would be scared to look at some of the call logs with some of these coaches during the season. You know, uh, Jason Barnett, at Perry Central, Jeff Ballmer, who I probably call more than I call my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jeff Ballmer at North Harrison. Um, you know, when I first came into coaching, uh, Vic Betts was at Northeast Boys, and, and Daryl Newkirk was at Paoli. And they're two guys that, you know, I watched them retire and I watched their, their track complexes at those places be named after them. These are guys that did it for 40 some years and you know Vic Betts' son Dustin went on to he was an Olympic qualifier or Olympic trials qualifier for the marathon um you know and I just there those connections have rolled into more connections you know Dustin was trained under one of the best coaches in America from from somewhere in in Arizona and so like I pick Dustin's brain all the time um I, I mean I could go on there's there's tons of it and I know I'm forgetting somebody but there's a lot of coaches that I've kind of, you know, been picking their brain and kind of just mentored me and been there and been willing to help. And, you know, uh, Pete Lashley from Heritage Hills is one, too. I spent a lot of time talking with him. So, you know, but that's the best part about them is those peers is a phone call away and they're willing to help you at any time. Uh, Kevin Shipp at Jasper, he helps me a lot, too. Of course, I live in Jasper, and my wife teaches in Jasper. So, you know, he's just – he's not far off. But, I mean, he – Kevin would be willing to – you know, if he needed to, he'd be willing to share any and everything that he does. And they're, they're a successful, you know, program from the south. So, now I, I could go on. There's a lot of people, so.
0: Yeah. It's, it seems like – I don't know. If I, I don't put myself in their shoes, like coaching for a while, having a lot of success, it would be super easy to – like not want to share what you're doing or not want to help out a fellow coach, especially when they're competitors yeah. as well. Like, what does that say? I don't know about the people in your region, about um, Indiana cross country and, and track as a whole, like the people are willing to help each other out. And I don't know. I think yeah. It's just really cool.
1: It is. I, I had somebody once I, I do a um, myself and a couple other coaches in Southern, Southern Indiana, we do a throwing camp every summer for shot and discus down here and I do. I will get in the summer. I'll do a lot of private lessons and somebody asks, well, you know, are you afraid of of them beating you? And I thought, you know, I always tell people if if I'm giving them, you know, two days a month for three months and they're beating the kids that I'm seeing on an everyday basis. And I'm probably not doing my job anyways. Mm. But You know, we got to those kids. They all you know, there's I've watched kids that I've given lessons to go on and be successful and that's what it's about you want to you know one kids that that I know of is that at, at uh, um um uh, he's at uh Bellarmine on a full ride scholarship um you know and not and I'm not sitting here saying that's me that got him that I'm just saying that that's uh you know those kids they've got at one point in time they're gonna those jerseys are gonna come off and they're gonna be productive productive members of society and we gotta mm. try to help them be successful no matter where they come from
0: that's huge but that's something I have to remind myself like all the time it's like why why am I in coaching why what do I get in this for so because it's I don't know like it, we do want them to succeed we want to succeed as a team we want to beat the other teams like we want to be the best team that we can be but at the point when you're like thinking illy about other teams or like these are high school kids you know and like if I was coaching for another school, I'd want them to do the best. And so, yeah, I feel like it's yeah. easy to forget, but something you need to keep in the forefront of your mind for oh, sure.
1: It's very easy to forget. Um, I mean, I'm still guilty of it, you know. You, but, you know, like you said, they're just – they're kids. and you, you want to root for them to be successful. But you also – you know, you, you you obviously want to win. I mean, mm-hmm. I tell – that's probably one of the first things I tell my kids every year for meetings at the beginning of track across country is i look them straight in the eye and say i will be judged off of your results i will be mm. judged you know whether i keep a job or not is whether you got whether we produce as a team but i will ne- i always tell them i will never judge you off that you know mm. you show up and work hard at work hard for me every day you're getting <clears> grades you're treating each other with respect then then we're, we're good then you're doing what i'm asking of you and you know hopefully every coach you know treat treats kids to do the same things and uh you know maybe just just maybe we can produce some kids that'll go out there and do things that'll change the world and be be good citizens and friends to each other you know
0: yeah absolutely yeah i was thinking about this the other day uh like we're heading into the state meet obviously and like what i don't know like we want to win i want us to win obviously but like what what happens if we don't like does that like it's going to be okay. And like it, as again, just reminding myself of like, why am I here? Why am I coaching? Like you said, it's to help build these these young men into productive members of society, um, to be good friends, to be, uh, I don't know, to build that like brothership as a team. It's like, if we, I don't know, if we get second, if we get whatever, like it's, it's fine. You know, <laughs> like if life goes on. It is.
1: Um, and it's, you're exactly right. And it, it's, I mean, those, you know, if you guys don't win Saturday, it's going to be hard and finding the right words to say to those kids is really difficult in that moment. I mean, it's not a, it's never a fun, fun conversation to have with people, but I, you know, I was through our, through our regional run and our, our sectional run, I was, um, I was encouraged and honestly I was brought to tears by some of the other coaches from other teams and rooting for us. And that knew our story and knew, where we you know how good we were running and how we had not ever just we'd never went to regional before Mm. and uh, you know to like receive the messages and the people running up and like giving us bear hugs from other schools and stuff like it it uh i loved that my kids got to see that that they Mm. knew that there was not like a a line between it because you know i i know some coaches up from your area they're phenomenal people and that like would you know i i it's funny i sent a, an email to um gabe porus just mm. to tell him, hey, you know your team's been running great you know you guys are doing phenomenal and uh and he turned it into an email about how good our season's been and how you know <laughs> lifting us up and uh, um so there's a there is a lot of good people in this world and um you know it's uh uh it's it's uh, it's very hard sometimes to teach kids that that's more important Especially when mm-hmm. when the highest prize in your state's on the line.
0: <laughs> hmm Yeah, absolutely. Um, how let's say you're showing up to practice. Maybe it's been a rougher day than normal. Like how do you or even just an average day, like how do you continue to like show up for your kids to stay present, like to be, like you said, the best coach that you can be.
1: Uh, that sometimes it's hard. So I'm, mm-hmm. a, um it's, it's hard all the time. Let's just put that way. If you've had a bad day, I'm a, uh, I am an elementary special education teacher mm-hmm. and we, we, right. You know, you can't really sugarcoat it. We come from an area that sometimes is not the most well-to-do area. And I see a lot of things with kids and families that just make me sick in my stomach. So I do have some pretty rough days and uh, um, I'll never hide it. My faith has always been a real big reason why I'm able to kind of conduct myself and deal with things Um, compartmentalize. So I I do, I do spend a lot of time before I go from one building down to the, to the practice area. I'm always um, I, you know, I'm always saying a prayer. I am constantly listening. I try to listen to one of my songs that kind of gets my head in the right place. Um, Mm -hmm. But ultimately, one of the big things that I've found in the last couple of years that really works for me is I I just tell the kids beginning of the year, Hey, if I'm being a jerk or a grump, you have all the right in the world to call me out and say, Hey coach, Mm -hmm. you have a bad day. You're being a jerk today. or You're being a grump or you're, you know, you're, and and it works because when they notice it and they call you out on it, you're like, okay, my bad. (laughs) Like you just, you, you know, all you can do is throw your hands up and say, you're right. I'm sorry. And um, honestly, sometimes that's led to some of our best practices because I've had some mm. times where I've had to say, you know what, I'm in a bad mood. I'm trying to take it on you guys. Let's play a game. And we just kinda shut down what we're doing and we'll play a game or we'll I'll send a manager up to the press box and throw music on. Um, <laughs> you know, just something to change the mood. But um mainly it's it's my faith. Um mm. that's big. Uh, you know, I got a lot of different ways of coping with it, but that's probably the biggest one.
0: That's awesome. Um, what would you say the, like, kind of balance of importance is between, like, culture and training? Like, how much time do you spend thinking about, like, I don't know, like, when you're talking, just made me think of, like, you're creating a a positive culture there where the kids feel like they can talk to you and talk to you freely. Like, what's the importance of that? And then, like, obviously, like, good training is obviously, you know, important as well. Like where's the balance how much time do you spend like thinking about those things
1: um i think the balance changes i think the needle swings mm-hmm. as you build culture and your culture gets to a place that you want it and you know that your kids come in and out um oh gosh <laughs> the dog yeah the dog you know, <laughs> um as the culture continues to change um you uh you get you build the culture and the kids that come in know kind of what's expected and you know you get that year in and year out turnaround of the older kids are kind of setting the tone for you it's easier to think about the training aspect of it and you know to um to put in more of the hey we got to do the work that we got to do to be successful it it comes easier once you've built the culture now early Mm -hmm. on getting kids out there you know i we just went through a change recently in our junior high programs for both track and cross country and one of the big things that i told him from day one was i don't care if you're the worst team in our conference i want these kids to enjoy themselves mm. i want them to enjoy themselves and i want them to come back I want to come back and that's you know that's got to be a number one priority And until you can make sure that that's happening you know everything else kind of needs to take a back seat and uh so i feel like that kind of that balance is something that you kind of got to feel with each team and each, because they're all, they all have different personalities.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so, so you come from a football and throws background, <laughs> and then you got into coaching with throws and then sprints. How'd you end up on the distance side of things? Um, did you want want to get into that or were you asked? I did. Or... I did. Okay. Um,
1: so we had... I mean, I don't remember the timeline, but I, we had a situation where cross country job came open and we had not had a, I mean, we hadn't had a junior high program for a couple of years. Mm. And a guy was, his son was in the sixth grade and his son didn't want to play football. And so he was like, Hey, he approached the school. Hey, what if I start a program? And they were all for it, you know, and he did recruit and got kids out And when the job came open for varsity. I put my name in for it. So another person put his name in for it. He was a teacher as well at school, but he had been teaching at the school for a while and coaching other sports. And so they, they gave him the job. Um, they, you know, that was fine. I kept coaching um, track and I kept trying to stay in as good a communication as I could with him. And then um, at one point in time, he contacted me. I was preparing for football season as a coach in the fall hmm. and he, told me he said hey i want to resign from cross country but i only want to do it if you'll do it if mm. you'll take over and uh i i just basically like it was a no-brainer because at the time um probably track was the weakest area was probably distance and mm. uh you know we had a we would occasionally get a kid or two here that would kind of come through the program but we had not had a solid group that you know was running good we could put together for four by eights and we weren't getting those kids that, you know and it was kind of and I don't want to say this to like put down anybody in the past but some of our our records were a little embarrassing our four by eight and our 800 records weren't the, the greatest and uh so we just we so I thought well I need to I need to embrace this um we were building a good good core group of coaches and track that were very supportive and it made my life a lot easier so Took it on, and, and here I am, just finished year seven.
0: Wow. Uh, uh, what was it like transitioning from a, a sprints coach to a, a distance coach? Did you know much about distance running, taking the job? I,
1: I did not. No, okay. I had a lot to learn. And uh, year one was uh, kind of a co- collaboration between myself, Google – and, the, and the, uh, the coach from uh, uh the coach that started the junior high program um he was his son was going into his freshman year he continued to coach the junior high program and we together just kind of started doing it and i just every, you know it was funny because when i would go to like for example the coaches clinic go to the coaches clinic my attendance shifted from sprints and throws to mm-hmm. distance you know presentations and um, I started seeking out more distance coaches and I started same thing, just making making friendships and learning and picking brains. It's kind of how it went.
0: Yeah. Are there any uh, big things you've learned over those seven years about yeah. distance training?
1: Kids can handle more than you think they can. Mm. Um I, like that. I uh, at first I, I don't know if I part of it came from that sprinter's mentality of, you know, rest, lots of uh lots of recovery because it's a very intense intense training on the body that you know you you put a sprinter through so you kind of it's a different approach and i just it took me time to realize that, that they're not going to break if you do it right you know you can't take a kid from x amount of miles and jump him up a bunch to you know another level um without doing it the right way but i also learned that like these kids can do this and you know i even approached it from the like like aspect of hey this is what you need to do to get better this is what you need to do to reach your goals i'm not Mm. gonna force you to run on on you know on saturdays that's your day i'm not gonna force you to run on sundays that's your day but you know this is what we need to do and the kids were like hey let's do it i want to do what i need to do i want to be successful i want and so my biggest thing was they can handle a lot more than what you think they can and you're not going to break them and you're not going to push them away
0: Mm. that's good uh what are some of the highs or lows of uh your time coaching so far it can be distance it can be sprints throws. How about any, um, a little, any moments how about stick a little out what did you say? How
1: about, a, how about a little bit of everything okay yeah a few that stick out um i'll never forget the first first group of kids that i coached that went to state back that was a pretty big mm. moment um it was 2014 okay. and if i'm not mistaken I could be wrong, but since 2014 I'm wanting to say we've only between girls and boys track, we've only had one year. We didn't at least send one person to state since then. Uh, Um, That was big. Um, Both of those two kids that went to state that year went on to division one schools and did good things. Uh, One of them is a a doctor. Now a chiropractor out in St. Louis. The other one's uh, runs a successful business in Las Vegas. So, you know, we, were some big that's another big thing my highs are when i see these kids go off and do great things in life Uh, let's just start with that that's Mm -hmm. that's one of my big highs uh then um we had never i mean we we started small we had small goals so track wise you know um we had never won the conference as a girls team and our boys hadn't won in 20 some years and uh in our conference and so the coach that I started coaching with and then after he left and I took over um conference was our our goal and uh, 2016 was our first conference then uh 2000 and our girls won four in a row they hadn't ever won it and then they went four in a row uh, in 2017 our boys won again and we haven't lost since uh, so, um my next you know and then you know so then you move on we almost won sectional last year we came up a little short we were trying to knock off some 5a schools but we were just a wee short but uh, um so and then obviously this uh this year had to be um uh this year cross country had to be, mm-hmm. be a homeless high for me um obviously just watching these kids work so hard and be successful that's uh it's been a pretty big high for me um, lows i you know i kind of tend to turn turn lows into to learning experiences mm. uh, and grow from them one of the biggest ones was actually during track regional back in the spring um, It it's kind of a kind of a crazy day like even within that track meet there was some highs and lows within the meet like it started off and a distance or a discus thrower was throwing over there and he was all tense and not throwing well and i go over to watch we had the number two seed in the 100 meter dash and he gets called for a false start and uh, he's overdone and my assistant coach films all the starts and uh, my sprints coach and he was not the one to false start he was the third one out of the blocks his kid to his left moved and so then he moved after two Mm. other people moved but he's the one who got called got dq'd for it or you know yeah and so that put me in a, a situation where as a coach i had to i had to deal with Calm, calming him down calming myself down as i'm <laughs> in the middle of the tracks filing a protest um, and then it led to you know we had to calm him down because he went over and jumped twice at long jump and almost didn't make the finals and he we got him calmed down he made the finals a long jump and he still didn't jump himself but he qualified for state long jump and then then he went and qualified for state in the the 200 so the 100 was his best event but um we had to calm him down and that taught me some stuff but one of the big reasons i feel like you know it taught me to the low taught me to use it for a lesson is i'm trying i'm personally in the process of doing trying to do a write up to maybe affect some change in the track tournament that would mm. be for the positive um one of the things that you know an official said to me that day was that we can't look at a video unless it's official video mm-hmm. so then i you know i'm i'm kind of a i have a tinge of smart aleck to me sometimes <laughs> so my, my response was well you know it's 2022 and we can launch a rocket and land a rocket <laughs> but we can't videotape we can't have official videotape at sectional regional date <laughs> so um it's one of my my things is i I want to try to get a proposal before the coaches association to see if we can get official video at the tournament because mm. i don't want ever to have a kid to go through what he did because it just about ended up wrecking his you know wrecking his chances of staying a senior year um you know it almost cost him his long jump and his 200 because he was so distraught about something he hadn't done and i mean it's clear as day on the video he hadn't mm-hmm. but i had to use that even in that moment as a learning lesson like i gotta calm this kid down i can't be completely out of out of my wits and uh um so we're hoping that we can get some uh take that low and use it to affect change so that it doesn't happen to anybody else and uh, and we can uh, move on from it but and it, it was cool to see even within that meet how he went from so it was like like usually happens in indiana in the spring there was a, a there was a rain delay at regional <laughs> so when we came back out um we had two kids in the high jump, and it was he finished his long jump and got second, and they ended up going one and two in the high jump. Wow! One A 1A school at Bloomington North Regional, but he was it was cool because afterwards he was like, over there the biggest cheerleader in the world, getting his mm-hmm. team pumped up and everything. And so, even watching him change it kind of shows you how much they look to you and how much they they mm-hmm. they see what you're doing. So those low, those lows are just kind of one of those things where I try to turn them into lessons. I'm sure there's a lot more lows in my life. I'm sure there were sometimes I probably acted like an idiot at a meet somewhere, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, that's been the biggest one. The one that's the most fresh in my mind was just bad things happen. You know, you gotta it's how you react to them and what you do with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that perspective. Um, so part of the reason I wanted to, to have you on, was to get some small school representation, um, for our, for our listeners. And so I, I have a few questions regarding, I don't know that, I guess I want your perspective on as a coach for a, a smaller school. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, and obviously like you're not speaking on behalf of like every small school coach and every small school athlete. Um, but you can at least give us some, some insights and your own thoughts. Okay. Um, First question, can you make an argument for and against a class system for (laughs) cross-country?
1: Oh, can of worms. Um, (laughs) um, After this, I may never be able to post on the the board ever again. (laughs) um, You know, it's funny because I am kind of – there's days that I'm kind of swayed I'm really big on talking to my kids and asking them what they would want because we do represent the smallest of the smallest. And uh, you know, i to a to a person, a lot of them, like when I read your question, I I asked a few of them and and they're like, you know, they loved the fact that we went to semi state. Mm-hmm. They thought that the thing that we did as a team, being the last 1A team left in the state, and what they accomplished and those, um, those memories they loved, but they all to a T said that they would love to have a chance to win a state title. And they mm. knew that that was never going to, that was never going to happen with what mm-hmm. with what they were um, with the current system. Um, so I tend to be one of those people that, you know, I'm going to be a voice for them and their voices. They want to have a chance to, to win state titles. Um, mm. You know, it, regardless of what I think my voice needs to be for them, because this is their experience. It's not mm-hmm. my experience. I'm supposed to make this the best experience I can for them. And I know that the kids change every four years and it's not going to be the end all be all, but you know, I, I, I think that's a fine line though. Um, you know, I, I think you hear a lot of people talk about small schools of participation and I, I fight that battle all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and success obviously helps um you know i've i've had a very big uptick in kids who who don't do anything and want to start doing some uh, off-season training this winter with us and that's awesome for us mm-hmm. but I haven't told them hey guess what next year it's going to be a completely different tournament and <laughs> you're you know it's there's not a semi-state to go back to um mm-hmm. but it's that it's all it's just feel like it's a double-edged sword because you know we're we're the IHSAA is wanting to create a pro a system that eliminates more out of the first round Mm -hmm. but in sense they might also be eliminating kids altogether in participation Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not saying they will I would have to see numbers to prove that um but it does obviously percentage wise if you take ability out of it and you just do simple math and you take the percentage of kids intersectional and the percentage that advances it becomes a more difficult math problem kids mm-hmm. that, that advance drops no matter what no matter what level they go to and so you know i guess my a for a for it a case for it i you know the current system really did cater to small schools and uh and not really the big schools um i feel like it's kind of a necessary evil if you want success in small schools. So my case case for or again, well, I guess my case for leaving it like it is against mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. it would be that you're going to see a lot more of, you're going to see a lot more tangible success out of small schools early on, but you're not going to see later on. Makes mm-hmm. that makes sense?
0: Yeah. Um, how much, how much ahead. does, so let's say it was classed. And like, there's obviously a lot of debate on where that line would be if it was a, a two two class system. Yeah. Um, but let's say it was on the smaller side, like eight hundred or six hundred, was a was a class. Um, like, how would how does that affect recruitment for you? Like, do you think it would be a lot easier to get kids to come out and be excited about you know, a chance to win a state title? I, or I do, I do because mm-hmm. uh, it puts you.
1: I mean, you're still in the bottom. You're we're still in the bottom twenty five percent, but the bottom 25 percent is a greater representation now um so i would you know if i could look at look at schools that we've competed against that are six seven eight hundred you know this past year that had six seven eight hundred students and we were we were beating schools like that. Mm-hmm. And that you know those those are tangibles that i can point to and i think it's a system that you know i i think it's very easy that it could get watered down i don't know if you know much about the the kentucky system i don't um i'm pretty sure it's four classes uh, and i mean the smallest class system i i looked recently and there was some there was a school that if i if i remember correctly it was two high 18s and this is boys team two high 18s a mid 19 a high 20 and a mid 21 and they advanced to state now oh, uh I and mean, i mean you know you know good for them but i think that's a mm-hmm. watered down system um so you know if you I don't want it to be so much that there's a system that I can just pretty much be like, Hey, you know, you come out, you be a warm body. You finish this race. We've got a good chance of going to state. Yeah. I want to work for it. But mm-hmm. I, but I also, I think we've had enough success that we could, you know, draw the line somewhere and we can point to, you know, this is, this is still a system that we could be very successful in.
0: Yeah. So, you know, um, I, so one, one pushback I see, and I don't, I don't think it's a great pushback, but I guess playing devil's advocate is like, if it was a class system then there wouldn't be, I don't know, kind of like what you're saying a little bit, like waters down the meaning of like being a state champion or like, is, is there any truth to that? Or. Uh,
1: so I've asked uh, same thing. I asked my kids about that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, you, you obviously for us, we tend to compare ourselves to the schools around us. Um, And, you know, they did say that it is enjoyable for them to be able to compare themselves to kids from schools, the bigger schools, kind of bigger Mm -hmm. measure. But, uh, you know, in the same token, I tell them all the time, that doesn't mean we still can't face these schools on a regular season basis Mm. that are around us. You know, we still can can go to um, meets at in the region that still have some pretty big schools in them, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like if they realign and let's say um angel mounds down in evansville becomes a, a location that we would go to i'm going to do everything i can to go to angel mounds i'm sure that we go down there there's going to be a lot of evansville schools that meets down there so mm-hmm. you know they're going to be bigger schools you're still going to see during the uh during the regular season so i mean i can i guess for face value i can understand that you know oh you're a you're a state champion because you didn't have to face persons one two and three from these bigger schools and so it's mm-hmm. not as valuable but you know it, you ask me that question 20 years from now they are still a state champion mm-hmm. uh, they're still going to have that title mm-hmm. you know they're not going to take it from you and people are probably not going to spend a lot of effort looking into who they didn't beat yeah you know that's um, a good point. so it it's kind of it's kind of one of those things that you know i think you're getting into a nitpicking kind of nitpicking if you're trying to find small reasons as why to not because i you know like i said i'm a kids-based coach and I'll tell you right now to a to a person they like that competition but it, if they were in a two-class system and they want to stay titled they'd be pretty darn proud of it
0: mm, absolutely um, so it seems very likely that next year it's going to be a uh, one, 3 one three-round tournament. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that structure?
1: Well, that's the one I voted for. So, um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, I I think if we're going to change, it's the one that gives uh, mathematically the greatest chance for success for us. Um, it's your, it's going to be your smallest sectional sizes out of the, and I think it will probably. Um, accomplish what the IHSA wants. I, I mean, I think to a to a certain degree, it may not completely get him there. Um, but you know, I I think I'm a I'm a person who loves a challenge. You know, to go back real quick to your previous one about the two class system. Mm-hmm. You know, just to add to it, we had a kid who won the uh, the 60 meter dash in the HSR one year, and he was a state champion. And I guarantee you, he felt just as good about it he went down to a um he he moved to kentucky his senior year and he won a class state title in kentucky and broke some state records mm-hmm. and he puts that you know because he beat 1a 2a and 3a in indiana and down there it was just one size class and he was he loved it he was he mm-hmm. felt pretty darn proud of that state title so i don't think not competing against the bigger schools bothered him yeah Sorry to add to that. That kind of popped in my head, but um, back to the tournament. I, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I don't hate it. Um, if we're gonna stay, if we're gonna stay one class, um, I really like it, for the sense that it's gonna push kids a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you want to get to that next round, you're gonna work for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we had. Uh, some of our girl runners who advanced to the uh, regional and one of them said well my 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 goal next year is semi-state and I was like well there's probably not going to be a semi-state but you know there's going to be a different tournament form- format and the next round is going to be second round will be regional and then it'll be state and uh, I said but regional will be more difficult but it's going to take the same amount of work as it was going to take to get to semi-state and so she liked hearing that and mm. I just, I think that it's going to be one of those ones that's going to provide enough chances for small schools to be successful, but you're still going to have to work for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so with, with this new three class system, like, what are your thoughts about, I guess, making, like if you want to compete in the state tournament, you have to run every round. Um, you know, currently some of the bigger schools have the luxury of getting to rest some of their, their athletes um, are you kind of for or against what, do, what are your thoughts on that
1: um well it's funny because when I was younger I used to say well that used to aggravate me and I used to tell people all the time well you can't you know you can't uh, uh you can't do that in other sports which I mean you can in team sports you know somebody mm-hmm. needs to do rest and you can still win um but a lot of people use the comparison of like you can't run on a you can't be listed on a four by eight track and mm-hmm. then show up at state and run the 800, um, 800 individual. And I, well, but track's completely different than cross country. Mm-hmm. It's completely different and it's apples to oranges. Um, so for me now that I'm older, I'll be the first to tell you, if I was in their shoes, I'd do the same thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, in, in most, if if there's coaches out there that had the kids that could either a compete for a team title or, somebody who could compete for an individual title on a strong team that could maybe rest week one, week two, um, at least week one. And they say they wouldn't do that. I find it hard to believe. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, if you had that ability, you're going to do what it's right for that kid to give that kid a chance to, to win and, or those kids to win. And, and, uh, so I, I'm for it. I think if you got that ability, go for it, make it happen, do what you got to do. Um, I had to have this conversation with my, with my team because Mm -hmm. um, one of my runners, my boy runners has cousins on the Carmel team and he Mm. was talking about um, how they obviously rested some people and he was like, how do you get to do that? And I had to have the conversation with, (laughs) you know, how, how it works and how, which he was a golfer. So he kind of figured it out, but um, you know, just the fact that um, the kids, kids notice it, but once you really, you explain it to them, they were all the same way. they think, well, you know, if we could do that, we'd do it too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I d- It's definitely a, a tougher argument or, t- like, a more nuanced argument. This one is – I don't know. I feel like even though I coach for, you know, a bigger school and we, like, obviously made use of that, I got – I don't know. Something just feels kind of strange about skipping – just skipping around in the tournament. It um, does. But, but then again, like, if you have – you know, a kid who can run in the 15s, like, do you want him in the race just to jog it by his standards? Like, there's just so many different things to consider.
1: Yeah. When you, you gotta, you know, like you said, like, if I, there's a difference between, between a school like that, who can put in an eight, nine, 10 runner, give them a, that's young, give them tournament experience mm-hmm. they get a chance to run. You're not losing a bunch. Whereas me, I have a freshman who runs, you know, uh, my next freshman ups are going to run a 24. Well, you know, I'm, you know, and he's just there. I, I would love to get him in there, but you're, you know, you're kind of in that situation where you, you know he's going to get a run eventually because he's a freshman and mm-hmm. you kind of got to bide your time because you, you can't make those sacrifices. Whereas with you, not you with a, a bigger school yeah. Honestly, yeah they got that luxury I you know I, I agree with you it's a nuance and i do sometimes i sit and think it's it's kind of backwards that a kid can go out and win a state title and never and not have ran round one or the, you know the current system one round one or round two but you know um it, it's just kind of if you're going to have a system where you can have a roster that big and use anybody on it for injury then then you know it's it's got to kind of be that way
0: (laughs) yeah for sure um so you can share as much or as little as you want with this question and we can even skip it if you want but i'm I'm curious of, of your answer if you're willing to share but what do kids on your team or even you yourself as a small school coach think about uh just generally i guess like schools like carmel the fishers north central the big schools um yeah
1: i mean um I tell my kids all the time, like I said, I've made it, you know, I've made it very clear a couple of times that we have connections with kids, you know, relatives running on the Carmel team. You know, I know Gabe Porras because his, his in-laws are from French Lick. Um, Mm. So, you know, I have connections with people from these schools and it's, it's, I always tell kids they have problems just the same as we do. Mm. They're just different problems than we have. They also have benefits that we don't have. But we also have benefits they don't have, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a school like Carmel, or you know, uh, Zionsville, those those schools it takes a small army of coaches. And I don't feel like, as a coach, you get to build the relationships with those kids as strongly as I do, mm-hmm. because me and my nine boys and my six girls, that's fifteen kids total that I get to build relationships with and build lifelong friendships with. And let's face it, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to very often probably produce a kid who's going to go off and get a pro contract, but mm-hmm. I might, you know, produce the kid who's going to take a life lesson and go, um, go off and do something big for the world. And I, I just, mm-hmm. um, and, and those same people will come from the, those big schools too. But I, I just, you know, I always tell them they got, they've all got their same, problems different problems they've all got their own problems their own difficulties and they've all also got their their own advantages and you know we have to we all have to it's life we have to deal deal with the hand we're dealt and just because they're a bigger school than us doesn't uh uh, doesn't mean they put their jersey on any different than us and uh and you know we kind of got to roll with the punches if we were if we were kind of just want to teach the kids that you know if we were to make excuses and use things like that as excuses then we're telling them it's okay in life to you know well they had a better education than me so they should you know just kind of one of those situations where i have nothing against them i i'm happy for those people who put in that hardworking success and uh, i also look at those schools as they're the biggest influencers in our sport Mm. Um, they're the ones who spend most of the time in the spotlight so they're the ones that i hope are the ones that are carrying the torch for us the best you know best way possible Mm they're the face of our sport. They're the ones that, you know, need to be the ambassadors. They're the ones that need to be the, um, the ones who are putting the positive face for Indiana running out there.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Those are some great points. Um, It's definitely true. Like I, I've tried to like know everyone, there's like a hundred kids on our team and I've tried to, you know, at least know everyone's name and like say hi to them and call it like say hi by name. Um, But yeah, even on our own team, like just the reality is i only have like close relationships with yeah like maybe like 15 20 tops you know like i try to run with a different group of of kids each day or at least you know switch it up every few days to like build those relationships but yeah it's just it's tough to build any kind of deep relationship with with these kids there's so many
1: and you know and i like that's kind of one of those situations where i'm not sure that i would I would enjoy that because I'm the kind of person I would want to know every kid, and Mm. I'm um, I'm kind of—I don't know—I'm a big giant goofball, so (laughs) I'm making jokes with kids, and we're just having a good time. But you know, like, like after semi-state, we went out to eat as a team, and I I absolutely like—I love that. Those are the memories that I love. Mm. Those kids love, and I'm not saying that you can't make memories like that at a school like like Carmel, but just it's just a different different form of doing it and so you know i i have nothing against those schools and i i wish them nothing but the best and i but um i i I try to make it very adamant to our kids it's just a it's a it's a different world but it's not a bad Mm
0: -hmm. world for sure that's that's a great way to put it um okay these last few questions i'm gonna kind of tie together um so do your do your athletes have like a chip on their shoulder for competing for a small school and then also, do they like actively think about being from a small school? Is that something they like? Yeah, that's even on their minds. They so the chip definitely.
1: Um, mm. They they do not they do not like to use size size of schools as, as an excuse. Mm. Um, they actually were constantly like. One of their things is they wanted they they all season those guys wanted to run for each other and they wanted to go to battle for each other that was Mm -hmm. kind of their their mantra and that's been that's the way our track program has been like we we don't care you know how big of a school they are um we made the this past saturday at semi-state one of the kids said uh, i can't remember exactly how i put it but he said there's he said i think columbus north was the biggest school at our semi-state and he said they're 10 times our size but they put seven people on the line, just the same as us. Mm. And, so, and, it, and I'm sure I probably said the same thing, but said, we're going to, he said, we're going to go to battle. And you know, they did. And um, so they do run with a chip on themselves uh, on their shoulders. And I don't really think I kind of, it's funny. I don't think they, I don't think they think of themselves a lot as like, Hey, we're just a small school. We can't do this mm. until they accomplish something. And they're like, Hey, we did this as a small school. <laughs> It's kind of like one of those situations where it's not really like in their forefront of their mind until then until it's thrust there until people are telling them hey you're the last one eighteen left in the state hey you you know you just beat all these schools that are bigger than you and so definitely a chip yeah and I hope it, I hope it stays there
0: yeah absolutely I definitely see where that could be a source of pride for sure yeah um cool Well, before we go to coach's corner, is there anything else you wanted to say about like this topic about small school stuff about, um, the tournament or even going back to coaching? Is there anything that, yeah, you wanted to share, wanted to talk about just, um, you know, I, I always, when I have a, have the platform, I want to, I
1: want to tell people, you know, being, being that there are a lot of rural areas in the state with a lot of small schools, um, you know, they're kind of they get overlooked a lot um, until they put themselves on a map. And uh, for anybody that's listening out there, that's you know a small school coach, just just keep battling, keep battling for your kids, mm-hmm. and know know that inside the the walls of your program, that you're doing, you're making a difference in their lives. And uh, you keep doing that, then you know, be darned with the result. If you're you're doing that, then you're doing the right thing.
0: Mm, I love that. Cool. Well, to coaches' corner, I've uh, got a few questions for you okay. um, to get your, I guess, advice, wisdom on some things. So, first question is: What advice or wisdom do you have for assistant coaches? How can they best support their team, their coach? Um, if they want to be head coaches eventually, how do they prepare?
1: Well, for starters, I am a, and I'm sure a lot of coaches are like me. I am a bit of a control freak. I want my hands on (laughs) on everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of a, a, that's kind of a source of, um, can be a source of downfall sometimes. So as an assistant, you know, be willing to take on responsibility and understand that when you first take on that responsibility, just show, like, be there, doing your responsibility but also constantly like showing your your head coach that you're doing it reporting to him because like i said as a coach i want my hand on everything mm-hmm. so when i you know i have an assistant coach and unfortunately it may take him a little bit of time to earn my trust once they do i'm like hey that's your baby you you got that like you know now mm-hmm. i've got a, a phenomenal sprints coach the kid that i coached he came back he's got a really good paying job at the frenchland hotel you know and he coaches and does an amazing job and like i i don't Unless he asked me for questions, which at the beginning, he asked me questions all the time. And he mm. did a great job with it. He was constantly saying, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And as him doing that, it made me see that he knew what he was doing. Mm. And So he took something off my plate that I trusted him with. So as assistant coaches, I think it's big that you uh, um, that you try to take something off your head coach's plate and uh, show him that you're, you're capable of doing that. Um, the, what was the other part of that question?
0: Um, or if they if they want to be a head coach eventually, how do they prepare?
1: So, ask questions, lots of questions, mm. tons of questions. Network, 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 network. Mm. Get to know people, not just only inside of your school but outside of your school, because those may be potential people to offer you jobs. And I always say this: to be so darn good at your job um, that your, your coach can't help but recommend you for jobs elsewhere because mm. you're if you're shining it would be wrong of a head coach to to hide you you know mm. you, so assistant coaches that want to be head coaches and they put the work and the time and the effort in they deserve their shots and if you're doing your job well enough there's no reason that you know a head coach's program should be a stepping stone to, to build other head coaches mm. uh, you know you shouldn't you should be raising up head coaches. How's it, I mean, how's that sound? Does that sound better? You should be raising up head coaches to go out. and Build the, build the
0: coaches tree.
1: That's right. And so, um, you know, if you, you're building that coaches tree, you, uh, uh, you've got to do your part as an assistant coach to just network and just learn your craft, learn your craft, learn your craft, Hmm. learn your craft. Hmm. That's
0: That's good. Have you heard of the book? uh, I think it's called, so good they can't ignore you by cal Me. newport yes okay that's a great actually,
1: book. i've not read it but i've got it on my list that's the problem i haven't read it okay four books that i need to read
0: okay nice to be honest it's like the the title kind of tells you all you need to know yeah. like there's some parts that were like a little a little long but it's like yeah just such a great principle like be so like what you're saying be so good at your craft that they can't help but hire you or, or whatever the situation is. Correct. Absolutely. Um, what would your advice be for young head coaches just starting out? Um,
1: I think it kind of goes along the same lines No network. Um, we, the first two things I think as a young head coach that I, I felt like that looking back, I was glad that I did was I built, I built a network of, of peers that I could lean on and i also put pretty much all my chips in on on uh, on culture
2: mm.
1: and so if you if you build people that you can lean on that you can kind of build your team of coaches not only your assistants but people outside of your school that you trust and you 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 got to build a culture that people want to be a part of mm. um if you don't have the culture that people won't be a that people don't really care about that culture Mm -hmm. it's easy for people to say no to your no to the program it's Mm -hmm. kind of one of those situations where you know if you build a culture that people want to be a part of then it makes the laws less likely less valleys
0: Mm. absolutely i love that i'm a big culture guy is that that's like kind of like what we've talked about a little bit throughout here like that's that's the part of the i don't know coaching aspect that's like you're building up these young men and women, like that's the part that's I don't know that gets me excited, I guess
1: yeah no i I love that. I think that uh, um I think that's a that's a target that's missed a lot in coaching Co- coaching coaching <laughs> it's a my in my head here um, <laughs> but that part I think is missed a lot. I feel like there's a lot of of coaches that come in gung-ho about I'm gonna build a program that wins and wins and wins and mm-hmm. uh, they just spin their wheels and, uh, they don't understand, but they, you know, comes to these, uh, um, these kids, they don't know you, they don't know you as a person. They don't know that you care. They don't know that you're there in their corner. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you, you know, they, a kid should know that your first priority for them is to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. And then your second priority should be for them to, you know, find their next path in life, military job, workforce, college whatever it is trade school you know they they should know that those are priorities in your life and mm-hmm. um you know if you if that culture is not established and you you don't put those as priorities over the winning part you know if they are priorities then the winning part takes care of itself mm. uh, so you know it's it's uh, uh it's one of those things that as you build culture as a young coach you, you got to you just you, you know you have to show kids that they are a priority
0: Mm, i love that uh what uh what wisdom would you have for coaches of combined girls and boys teams how do you like handle it differently
1: well i gotta sometimes this is not easy especially at a small school like ours um because the the candidate pool is kind of small but um feel like you need to have a good quality coach of each gender on your staff mm-hmm. um you know i don't want an all male staff trying to deal with females it's mm-hmm. just not you know i if you you got to have females on your staff um that's one big thing uh, another would be that there i don't know it's kind of those situations where we let our kids we do almost everything together as a male and female team um, like when it comes to training but we all but you also like have to let them know and you have to let you know your coaches know that they don't they're not the same they don't Mm. train the same they can't handle the same type of training Um, and so you have to learn for as you know a young coach who would be doing both is you got to learn to you know it's it's completely different training males and females and so you have to you have to do a lot of adaptation and and be ready to think on the fly and i don't know it just it's kind of those things where over time you kind of get the nuances but you can't come in Mm -hmm. with one flat program that you just think will cover all it Mm -hmm. won't work especially between males and females you already have to do enough differentiation between male you know your best males and your your worst males or your best females and your worst females but like in between genders it's a it's a big deal. Um, it's a big difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a lot to consider. It is. Um yeah. what would you say to small school coaches looking to develop a, a winning program?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I've I've hit on a lot. A lot and mm-hmm. a lot. For sure. Um, and I've I've hit a lot about, you know, just being genuine. Um, mm. you know, we have a, a we have a policy at our school that, you know, um, you're, you're well, with our teams, your grades come first. Um, you're, you're a student first, you're an athlete second. We Mm -hmm. always tell them like, you know, you have to be able to communicate with us. So if you're, you know, you're trying to build a winning program, you have to show those kids pure genuineness. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way, to say you have to genuinely show them what you're there for. Mm. Um, And if you're not genuine about it and you're trying to build a culture of a family type culture or a, you know, build relationships with kids and then, but in, in your mind, you're like, how long is this going to take? I want to win. You know, it's, Mm. if it's not genuine, it's not going to matter. Kids kids can see through you. (laughs) I've coached long enough that kids can see through you. And uh, they, they pretty much can understand that you're, uh, um, you, when you're, when you're not genuine and, you know, it, it's, I've, I've in self-reflecting, like, as a coach, one of the things that I do a lot is I have my, my kids, or not my kids, my coaches, my assistant coaches evaluate me. Mm-hmm. At the end of, you know, I, I do, you know, we do evaluations on them. We tell them what we, you know, what we thought, like, where we think they need to improve. And, but I always have them fill out evaluations on me because hmm. if I'm not a good leader it will be reflected in in not only my our athletes but in, in our coaching staff and so you have to be open to change open to uh, suggestions when you're building a small program um, but you you know you also need to surround yourself with people who see things the way you see them hmm. you know I got to the point where I was trying to find people to come and join coaching that, had background knowledge, and I got to the point mm-hmm. where it's like people. I started asking people, Hey, would you be interested in volunteering or helping out? And they'll say, Well, I don't know anything about this. And I would say, Well, guess what? I didn't when I started. Mm-hmm. As long as you, and I'll tell them, if You have good morals, you have good values, you care about the kids, you show up for these kids. That's all I need out of you. We'll learn mm-hmm. the rest. And, um, and that's kind of how I built my coaching staffs. and. So if you're, if you're starting and you know, try and build a winning program at a, at a small school, then, build, you know, build your coaching staff of people who are going to have the same values as you.
0: Yeah. I imagine it's, it's tough being, I don't know, opening yourself up to feedback and criticism and being willing to change. Like, how do you, where does that ability to to handle that come from or?
1: It wasn't easy at first. Yeah, but I, I kind of got uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the brains of people all the time, and I, you know, I felt like I was getting stagnant as a coach. Um, you know, when I also, I've always tell my assistant coaches, and this goes for all assistant coaches. Some every coaching staff has to have that guy who's the quote unquote bad guy, right? Mm. If does mm-hmm. something wrong, you got to be the disciplinarian. You got to mm-hmm. be the one who, um, you know, takes them aside and is the, hey, I'm disappointed in you. And, you know, truly, if they, they, um, if they care, when you're disappointed in them, they're going to show it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, you know, as assistant coaches, you don't need to say, hey, you know, your head coach was a, a jerk. But, you know, you need to have a, a, you know, you need to be there to support them and say, hey, you know. You did wrong, but hey, let's move forward from this. So assistant coaches kind of have the role to not be that bad guy, but be more of a, a supportive role. And so, as I felt like I was getting stagnant as a coach, um, you know, I've always felt like coaching was a calling for me to to kind of spend time mentoring the youth. And uh, um, so, when I was getting stagnant, I just I asked it. I I did a survey one year in a, with the team, like an exit survey. And I got a lot of good feedback, but then I thought, you know what? I want to ask my coaches too. And I, I, the, the exit survey with the the kids was, you know, superficial because they're high school kids, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) but coaches are going to, they're going to be honest and truthful. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of had to take it for, you know, with a grain of salt and realize that I may get my, my fillers hurt a little bit, but (laughs) we're just going to have to toughen up. And after, you know, the first year or two of it, um, I've learned that it's a really good thing and it has made me a better coach every year. So mm. it's kind of one of those situations where I'm going to, um, I'm going to use that to, to better myself. Now it's kind of ironic. Cause last year I didn't do it and I don't know why I didn't do it, but in track, but anyways, um, but it, it's just kind of one of those things that I've had to, it wasn't easy, but I've had to force myself to open myself up to that criticism, to be a better
0: coach. Hmm. Were you surprised by some of the things that they said, or were you were the things you're aware of? Or
1: yeah, um, it, it's uh, I was aware of them. A lot of them have have taught me. Um, I used to be. I, I wouldn't say like I wasn't a. I don't know how to put this. Like I'm a I'm a loud guy. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> a, I'm I'm energetic. Uh, I run around practice. You know, clap my hands, pumping people up before me. Kind <laughs> of guy who's like, you know, just, just constantly trying to get people energized. Um, but at practice, sometimes like I would, coaches said I would, you know, I would uh, um, I'd be short and irritable with kids and stuff like that, like little things like that. And that's where it's opened me up to the, hey, if you see me and I'm in a bad mood, you're allowed to say something to me. Um, mm. Just kind of those little things that you don't really, you don't really, you don't really catch on to. And hmm. so that's where other adults, they catch on to those things. Hmm. And so um, I was surprised because I thought first couple times it was going to be like, hey, you, you know, you didn't, you need to do a better job of structuring this part of practice or, and you do get those things, but you get a lot of the things that have a lot to do with your, you know, your per who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, I like to think I'm like a pretty self-aware person, but it is, it's tough to handle. Like when someone Point something out that you didn't even realize, or that, like, man, was I really doing that? And you see it, that's that's tough to handle for sure.
1: I agree with you. And if you, well, and if you, you build relationships with your coaches too, they kind of they learn to deliver it in a more tactful way than just hey, you're you're a jerk half the time. And so, but you're right, it is. It's a, um, it's not easy to take salt in the wound because, yeah, they they know the wound was there until they start pouring salt on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A great way to put it uh, awesome so obviously like the the kids are the ones putting in the work but it's easy to see why why your your program is having the success that it is like your drive to be the best coach that you can be for these kids and then also to be just like a genuine person who cares about these kids you know well beyond their performances um, I don't know I really enjoyed this conversation it's it's been it's been a pleasure.
1: Yes, I appreciate you having me on. It's been uh, it's been very enjoyable talking to you.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, is there anything else you wanna wanna say before we wrap it
1: up? Uh, no. Um, just uh, I mean, I don't know if this really, you know, if, there, if there, you know, we talked touched about assistant coaches and young coaches, and if there's, I mean. I'm easy to reach. If there's ever anybody in this world that needs advice or wants somebody to pick their brain or wants to know about anything we do, I'm I'm an open book. Give me an email or give me a call or find out again how to get a hold of me and I will I will help anybody and
0: everybody. Sweet. Yeah. Um, cool. And I can if you're comfortable with it, we can talk more after this. But I gotta put your contact on the the message board or when I post okay about this. I'm
1: perfectly okay with that.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I appreciate your willingness to to do that. Um, sweet. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. I uh, I love any
1: chance that we can to shine a spotlight on our our program and what these kids do. So, um, it's a, a it's a blessing to get to coach them. But you know, anytime we can we can put them center stage, that's pretty cool for our program. So
0: mm, love it. Awesome. Well, everybody. Until next time. Thank you guys. Thank you.